hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. Uh, oh, I wish I'd made you do that, Greg. You know, Greg, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I have not yet been attacked by any plastic men today. And I have not had any rubbery tentacles wrapped around my neck as of yet. As of yet, but you are going yeah, it's to gonna... rubbery tentacle land. <laughs> Hairy rubbery oh. tentacles, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we are doing Spearhead and Space episode three today. I am ready to go if you are. Certainly. Then let's go in five, four, three, two, one. Boom. And here we are with episode two in my reckoning. Episode um, two, yes. Because we've had two episode ones to introduce the format and the story, um, we're getting down to the meat of the story here. And the genius so three is often problematic, you know. Yeah, the genius of that argument is, is, is episode three is usually exposition, isn't it? And yeah, exposition, and also plenty of escape, recapture, escape again stuff. So it's often a bit padded. Whereas uh, this one is not. It's rare as well, you know, for a four-part Doctor Who story to have like enough plot for four parts, but this yes. definitely does. I think Robert Holmes is quite good at filling enough plot in for, for episode length, whereas some other people um, don't have that skill. I mean, that idea of the and hand dropping away—oh my word! The hand drops away and a gun comes out. In, in a lot of respects, this uh, situation is quite reminiscent of Web of Fear, where you have the controlling intelligence and the mechanical agents. Yeah. These guys make the Yeti look like big furry teddy bears. <laughs> yeah, they do. These guys are really dangerous. And yet, you know, like like on paper, this is absurd. It's a dummy come to life, his hand's fallen away, yeah. and he's chasing a man through a factory. But it's really scary. We just see it just seen Scobie walk by he was in the previous story with a dummy being made which is obviously going to be important later but we got introduced to Scobie in episode two oh with the, the brigadier yeah yeah and so it's a bit like Chekhov's gun we introduced to Scobie because there's a role for him that's going to come along I actually uh was watching a Hammer Dracula movie and there was a big golden crucifix at just the end and in the at the beginning and at the end Dracula falls off a cliff and onto the crucifix, and I'm going, it's Chekhov's crucifix <laughs> at the beginning, and it, it gets fired at the end. Uh, and there is a lot of that. I did Warriors of the Deep the other day, and you remember in episode one where they talk about hexachromite? Uh, it's it's Chekhov's yes. hexachromite gas. Yes. We missed a bit before where um, Scobie was shaking hands, say goodbye, and Channing stuck his hand behind his back rather than shaking them, because presumably there's something about his hands. We know, you know he's quite alien. Yeah. We don't know what he is. And look at this. Don't you love um, the way the um, the Auton went back in and, and his head went down yeah. like he was really sad that he couldn't kill somebody? Yeah. And just if you look at Channing's face, it, it's quite calm and still, but it also looked like, looks a bit like a disappointed school teacher. And he's definitely 
point that Hibbert is not doing everything he's supposed to do. And oh, here's Meg, the page, Meg Seeley. The is, ah, the series. Oh, I think. Oh, look at that. Still looking for them Thunderbolts, I bet. Oh, I bet they are, too. She's what she says. Um, they reckon his neck was broke clean through. Clean I could see a sitcom with these two, you know. Yes, yes, it'd be fantastic. At home with the Sealies. <laughs> At home with Meg and running around the woods with Sam. But I really like the fact that she is. She refuses to be a victim. She grabs that gun. Yes. I look at their face at her. Yeah. I mean, this is rust country you... folk, you know. They've got balls. Yeah. Oh, here we I go. I think we may have missed it, but at one point, um, during a discussion, she gives him a savage elbow <laughs> because she's not taking his crap. Oh. This guy is doing a great job. But I think there's something uh, in a child in a child's mind watching this when an adult is that scared. Yeah, that's a genuinely like frightening situation. Wow, look at that lash up. Yes, it's much tidier than before. That's because of no glasswork. Glassware, I should say. It's interesting how Liz is um, instantly has a rapport with the doctor that she did not have with the brigadier. No. And uh, presumably never will have. I really can't think of that many Liz and Brigadier scenes in future stories. They have a moment in uh, the Silurians where he tries to order her and she really snaps at him. Oh, the, doctor, yeah. the doctor has to step in and go, no, Liz, please just do it. You know, I don't want to be here. Um, the doctor does something very naughty here. Oh yes. Yes. Um, People often comment about like two of the side men in Troughton's manipulative ways. Um, and he's still got them. Is this the he, first time we hear dimensionally transcendental? Does he say that? Uh, I am uncertain when we first heard about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we saw it for the first time, but that phrase, I'm not sure. It's a terrific I mean, still, phrase, though, isn't it? It sums it up perfectly. We still don't have regeneration being called regeneration at this point either. Is that Planet of the Spiders? I think so. It's, it's a it's a Buddhist term, isn't it? Really, regeneration. Mm. Reincarnation more. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, even there. Sorry, I'm just jumping into Planet of the Spiders. We've got Cho G, who is effectively the watcher for Campo with Project. Of course, yeah. So. Even that's a bit of foreshadowing. If we uh, can skip over some pretty dodgy uh, racial casting in Planet uh, of the Spiders. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's the 70s. Yes. Oh, here's Sam I mean, again. Imagine casting a, a Sontaran to play a Buddhist monk. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying up to his wicked ways. And also, he's atrocious comb-over. Who, Sam Seeley? I oh, know. Uh, Style icon. Yes, you look at that fat cap on. I don't recall what happens to Sam Seeley, you know. Does he Does he meet a grisly fate? I'm not going to tell you. You're going oh, to have okay. to find out the hard way. 
I do love the, you know, um, the destroy total destruction. Oh, yeah, it's not yeah, enough yeah. to kill somebody, but you have to like erase them completely. And Sam certainly had his back to this thing. He thought he was getting away with it earlier in the woods, but now he's got a more senior person, Captain Munro. Do you think this is more effectively done, the relationship between Channing and Ransom, uh, and um, uh, than the relationship between the Master and Michael Wish's character in Terror of the Autons? Because it's a similar thing, isn't it? They're both factory owners yes. and villains. Um, and I don't know whether the Master, I mean, the Master plays the role that Channing is effectively playing here. And whether wouldn't he dead just to have another um, super Auton rather than the Master? But that was when the Master introduced him. He was in every story in that season. <laughs> so. That's just come out on Blu-ray. I've watched them through, and you get to the demons, and you're like, "Really? <laughs> it's still in it?" Yeah, I have a copy in transit. I got mine from Katie Manning, and there's a little message for me. Oh, amazing. And she's lovely. If you never met Katie, you must meet her. Uh, I did an interview with her once, actually, for my blog. There you go. I was told specifically I was only allowed to talk to her for 45 minutes. And that 45 minutes, I tried to terminate the interview. And she said, oh, no, darling, I'm having so much fun. Let's keep talking. Yes. Oh, I was like, oh, bless she, you. She's a very person person. So this gives ah this gives a reason for unit to now investigate the factory. Yes. Yep. It's uh, if you watch a lot of old movies, they quite often put together like intricate clockwork, and this is quite similar. Um, Ransom's role is to effectively bring you in there, but there's a lot of lead in, and Ransom has an actual character. Um, not that well-developed. He's very focused until he gets frightened out of his brain, and now he's starting to recover. So It's strange, isn't it? The, uh, the, the, the two characters, Ransom and um, Michael Wish's character in uh, Autons, they're both like established Doctor Who actors, aren't they, that have lots of parts elsewhere. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. Yes. He needed some equipment. I had no idea you could be so gullible. <laughs> More comedy uh, business as he comes out of the TARDIS in a minute with the smoke behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do not like Doctor Who stories that are played entirely for laughs, but... Really? Um, a bit of comedy in every story helps leaving it out and make things much more palatable plus appeals to a different part of the audience than me. So like the, the some of the Graham Williams stories, do you not get on yeah, with not those? one of my favourite periods of Doctor Who. Oh gosh, it's my favourite, you know. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> and as I say, Doctor Who is for everyone, but not every bit of Doctor Who is for everyone. Oh, that's, that is a beautiful way of putting it. So yes, I perfectly approve of those stories existing for people like you to enjoy. Do you um do you think that the exiling of the Doctor to Earth that that was a smart idea at this point? 
I think part of it was money saving. Uh-huh. And I think part of it was also to shake up the status quo. Um, you may very well know, but uh, as Troughton's departure was approaching, they were considering not continuing Doctor Who. Um, so they had some work being done around doing some classic science fiction story serials right. um, to fill in for Doctor Who. Um, but as things moved along and they started contracting John Pertwee and some of the ideas for the substitute stories didn't work out, lo and behold, Doctor Who returned triumphantly, as we can see in this story. And as we can see with Meg Seeley, who knows Sam's up to something and she's yeah. going to find out by hook <laughs> or by crook. I mean, what you said there, in pure numbers, yeah, some of those War Games episodes got like three million viewers this scored yep. eight million per episode yep. and i mean um it was in color which probably helped for those who had color receivers but so re but, like refreshingly told as well and a complete yep. change of direction there was that 10 episode sprawling story mm. um you could definitely find some flab in that episodes worth it's still marvelous um, though don't you think it's a lovely story. Um, the science fiction elements are introduced progressively. If that was done in six episodes, they'd be quite jarring introduced, but they just creep in bit by bit by bit. Yeah. So it's it's well paced, but not necessarily fully plotted in terms of using up all the time. Well, the, you know, you know how you said this avoids having an episode three altogether. That's got about yeah. four episode threes in it. <laughs> just about. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Meg. Oh, what's this? No, I think... I've no idea what Sam's got this time. She's and only unconscious, this... though, right? Please tell me that. She doesn't die, does she? I remember she's lying there on the floor, but... Joan, not when you give away the plot. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. I mean, it's has this only been around for... <laughs> God, more than 50 years. Um, Terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Ooh. Oh my God! And look, he's so close to the house. Oh my! Yes. That do you know? Um, I one of one of the unsung heroes of Doctor Who are the sound effects guys. Did you hear the sound of that auto then? I thought, meow, 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 meow. Yeah, yeah. Really um, creepy. Which is quite quite similar to that noise that you didn't like in two of the Cybermen. Which noise was that? The, the noise that the Cybermen were making when they weren't speaking. <laughs> because this is much subtler. Yeah. They just sound like Donald Duck on helium, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's a very big mustache on that man there. Well, this is 72 after all. Yes. Wait till you get to Colony in Space. You're going to see some mustaches there. <laughs> yeah, Colony in Space. Colony in Space. <laughs> It's not the best story. It's certainly the most beige space story they ever made, I think. She's well, wearing one of those, like, she is, isn't she? One I'm of those pinnies. Sorry? She's wearing, like, one of those floral pinnies that my nan used yes. to wear. Yes, because she's still doing her work. She's not relaxing yet. She'll take a rough load and put a dressing gown on. Right. And have a mint julep or something like that. No, oh, she's... I reckon that... That 
Meg Steele, you'll have a good stout in the evening. Yeah, she's from the country. <laughs> Something's going on in the house and she's not happy. Oh, Someone's my word. And I love the way this door frame is so short. That is so scary, Greg. I'm sorry. Yes. I mean, can you imagine coming home and finding that smashing up your house? If only John Nathan Turner had made this, they would have got... Um, What's her name? Not Beryl Reed. Molly Sugden. Oh, Molly, Molly Sugden, yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at the hair. Just need to be a bit bigger with a bit of colour in it. She'd say, this is my house and I am unanimous in this. Oh, uh, yeah. But like, she's yeah. definitely a country woman. She can look after herself. She doesn't need Sam for this. People talk about, like, you know, misrepresentation of women in the 70s, but she's got a lot of agency, you know? Like, she does. She's been having this ongoing war with her husband um, about who's doing what, where, and when. She's on the ground. I think we should ditch Leela and have Meg Seeley go with the fourth doctor. <laughs> she can look after Lynn. herself. Oh, as long as she's not wearing Leela's costumes. Okay, that's actually somebody's house that Orson is tearing apart. Yeah. Yeah, they probably took out all the real furniture and put in fake furniture. I mean, BBC yeah, owned furniture. Look at the state of it. Honestly, that's what my living room looks like most days. Um, it looks messy, but it also looks like it's been placed carefully, <laughs> you know what I mean? There are certain lines and patterns. Yeah. But we're, we're in like, like kind of, um, all action territory now, aren't we? Like the ones yeah. are on the move. Even Liz Shaw had a duck ahead to get through that door frame. See, I love this because I remember watching this as a kid thinking, oh, the Autons gone. And then I had this sudden stab of fear realizing, no, he's still there and they're going to fight him. Yeah, and do this is this is you know not the first uh, enemy unit has fought that they had used their guns effectively on. After all, they were Cybermen, but it's the first in this new series setting the tone. You see how he sprinted off then? He's a pretty nifty mover. That was on. Yeah, and Channing looks quite tired out by the experience. But like, um, in terms of movement, yeah, I think this this is not a given that the Autons would have worked. Like they they've worked very carefully on those kind of slow, creepy movements. Do you remember like Attack of the Cybermen where Michael Kilgariff was playing the Cyber Controller and he had you know robot dance moves? It could have been as bad as that. Yes, um, I have to say, I think. Attack of the Cybermen was the story that made me stop watching Doctor Who for a while. Oh, gosh, really? I disliked the Colin Baker era so much. You better hope Todd, Todd's not listening to this. I've gone back. I've watched them all. I didn't watch Sylvester at all when he first came on TV. You see this shot here of Liz and the Doctor and the Globe? That was the picture on the back of the VHS cover in England. Ah. Uh, yes, there's... Two characters. Gosh. Um, and Liz looks scared there. Just the worried expression on her face. But here we are. Destroy. Total destruction. 
did you did you um see how fastly edited that was? It was like zip in gun yeah. dead like no mucking about here. No. No, no roaring in the subways. Oh my god, quick! There's no escape catcher in this at all, is there? Like no one's like captured from uh, the, the doctor's side, you know? No. I mean, the closest anyone being captured is that um, Ransom's in, was in the unit tent, and he was just being held there until they finished this investigation. But like, like that, you know, that sort of thing would happen straight away. In the Silurians, the Doctor and Liz are both captured. In the Ambassadors of Death, Liz is yeah. captured for a long time. So, like, maybe Robert Holmes just isn't interested in that style of storytelling. He's yeah, didn't need it. Um, giving one one episode aside for setting things up um, for the whole new version of the series, um, you only have three episodes to play with. There's a um, there's a, an account. And it's on... not ghostlight. It's actually comprehensible on first watch. Yeah, very much so. Um, there's an account on Twitter called Perfect Doctor Who Shots where they take like pictures of. Um, ah, I love uh, this thing in the background. And this no, is this is a perfect Doctor Who shot right here through the glass. Brilliant use of the setting, and it also we're dealing with the Nestines. They are a group intelligence, and as Channing steps back from the door. He separates out into different oh. images, so you're getting a visual representation of the race. I had never thought about that before. That's clever. And couldn't have been really pre-planned. No, because they were they just using the locations that they had. Was in the factory, yeah, and they just came up with that on the spot, and it's fantastic. And of course, um, as you know, we humans are always finding patterns where there aren't any, so they probably not their attention <laughs> at all. That's why the doctor loves us. Indeed. Look, the job poet is not convinced at all by this man's story. No. Like... Yes, you remind me of some Scottish duke or something. <laughs> there's a, there's a marvellous really. story about John Pertwee walking around this factory and going, oh, these marvellous dolls, because you know how he could pilfer things from time to time. And, yes. and the guy that ran the factory said, yes, it's like, you know, it's thirty nine ninety nine, and you can find them in the shops, Mr Pertwee. Now, here it is. This is the same surface was on the doctor's head in the hospital when they were finding nothing going on. And now it's on an energy sphere, and they're finding brain waves. Yeah, that's a, that's a clever link as well. It is the uh, same equipment as well, isn't it? It's exactly the same equipment. It looks, it looks very similar. If it's not the same, it's very similar. And it's the BBC, it's probably the same. They wouldn't spring for two sets of um, very similar looking equipment. See, look, the, the doctor's done a lash up of his own here to, to test the thing, but it's a lot less um, idiosyncratic than Liz's. Yes. Oh, she probably made it extra complicated so the Brigadier would think she was a mess maker and get rid of her. This is another really good cliffhanger coming up, isn't it? Yes, another non regular character cliffhanger. But what, so, Sco yeah. Scobie's been around since what? Episode two? Episode two. And we've seen him in a few different circumstances. There's a um, um, there's an episode of The X-Files that does this scene shot for shot. I'm not surprised because 
um, I have to say, there's this this show, and it's got this scientist person and another scientist who's a woman. One of them is a believer, one of them is not a believer. Uh-huh. Are you talking about this season of Doctor Who? Are we talking about the X-Files? <laughs> this is the blueprint for the X-Files. And here we are. And uh-huh. yes, that, that, and that was also quite good um, split screen work to get the two mm-hmm. um, Scobies on this. Scobie? Scobie, yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you a question now, Greg. Um, what would yes. you do if you opened your front door and there staring you in the face was yourself with a slightly Vaseline gleam? <laughs> Hard night in the town, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a scary idea, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can imagine kids talking about that for a week. Yes, plus also... The hand falling away gun that was introduced in this episode. The total destruction. I bet they loved all of that. Mm. Well, we'll be back for the riveting conclusion. Part four, which is actually part four. <laughs>